Hello. <laughs> yeah, really that. good. Really good start. Uh, now, I think we should maybe punch it up a bit. No. <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. You're the host. No, I'm not. Welcome to the Amory score. Welcome to the Amory score. That was worse than the first take that I just cut. I disagree. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Amory School. We've been having a rowdy time on microphones, but just not about Cohen and Carrier, so none of it made it into the podcast. Jackson and I but... haven't talked for, like, you know, another know. extra week, and so everything's happening. Yep. Once again, things are a bit hectic, so, like, I, I know people have noticed that this uh, this album's been more irregular than the last one, which is because uh, the last few months have been the final months of my degree, which, if you listen to any of the other podcasts, you'll know, like, I keep talking about it on Twitter, it's a nightmare, it's a stress nightmare, so if things are erratic for the next month or so, uh, that's that's why. My final deadline is the 30th of April, so after that, whether I'm done or not, I'm done, so. You, you did it. Or I didn't. Or you Those didn't. Are two options, you know? but it's over. As long as it's done. As long as I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> hey, I call that a win. I call that a win as well. But this is ostensibly a podcast where we talk about Coheed and Cambria, our favoriteest band in the world. Our favorite band that we love very much. Uh, yes, no, we're reading some terrible comics. We're reading the lore of this fucking emo band that we were into as teens. That's what's going on. As ever, if you are just joining us, don't... <laughs> don't don't that's good advice do not <laughs> do not uh no you'll be very lost very confused please go back to the to the start these episodes are not that long you should be able to get through it i would say go back to the start of the album but you know go back to the start you're gonna need to go all the way mayo. back you'll yeah, need to know who mayo is you're gonna need the inside jokes you're gonna need the insider knowledge you yes. need all the things in the spirit of the Amory wars this is not a very accessible podcast <laughs> And yet, also in the spirit of the Amory Wars, it is bafflingly popular. Yeah, who could have thought? <laughs> Man, who could say? Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Um, let's talk. Now we are here. Let's talk about let's issue five and a song, as usual. For writer, uh, the writing writer. Oh, you're gonna, you're I'm gonna, gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. All right. Give me the summary. What happened in the Amory Wars? For writer, the writing writer. The wheels are fully in motion. No, no I can't. Yes. Okay, go back. Let's get back to this okay, first five sorry, words. Sorry. For writer, open brackets, yes. the writing writer, close brackets. Okay. Can we enunciate here? Because writing. Just, uh, yes. Writer. Yes. So that's writer, the writing writer. <laughs> no. No, you did it. <laughs> get off my case. <laughs> No, I'm not getting on your case. I'm getting on Claudio Sanchez's case. <laughs> Why did he do this? He had... Okay. He had a long time to come up with an actual name for this character because he doesn't have one on the albums. And then he was like, writer. That's it. I don't have to come up with anything else. It's the same word. Bye. I'm leaving. Also, it's a really good bicycle pun. Uh, anyway. The wheels Shit. are fully... <laughs> Jackson! No, I was just like, oh, it sounds like Ryder. It's he's called Ryder. I I never think of someone who like rides a bicycle as a rider. Like obviously you ride a bike, yeah, but that's I think fair. of them as a 
biker, I guess. Like a bicyclist or whatever. Yeah, cyclist. or I wouldn't say, oh, that there goes a rider on his bike. (laughs) (laughs) The wheels are fully in motion for his descent into darkness. His he has unwittingly summoned the first appearance of Ten Speed, the fiery possessed bicycle, who insists to Ryder that the only way to ease his pain is to end his story. Claudio, fucking tell me about it, big yeah, mood, dude. Same. <laughs> Claudio, at least for now, has embraced his fate as the crowing. But if Ambelina can't focus his powers, they will all be doomed. Right, that's useless. So we need to summarize what actually happened in these comics so far, because that gives you nothing. It gives you nothing. So, uh. For this album so far, we have been introduced to a few concepts. Uh, Ryder has been writing this story uh, that we have been reading up till now. He has been writing the Amory Wars itself. Um, It is is what we refer to as the fiction. It is the story of Claudio and how he, as the crowing, either destroys or saves Heaven's Fence. Or both at the same time. Unclear. Yeah, who (laughs) who could say? It's still, even the characters don't really understand how that's working. Yep. Um, sure don't. The, the author, writer, um, he's, he's got some problems. He's got, he's got a few issues that he's working on. Um, mostly that he has been having hallucinations for a while now and has now imagined his 10-speed bicycle as a bicycle named 10-speed who is constantly on fire and has a skull and is always laughing at him, just really laughing a lot. This guy's good at names. He's super good at names. Um, also, Ambelina, uh, previously mentioned, is the analog for a character in his story. Uh, oh, I did that backwards. Oh, no. a- Ambelina is the character in the story who is an analog for Erica Court. Yes, thank you. Uh, who is his ex. He proposed to her, threw up on the lawn. She was like, my guy, you threw up on the lawn. I'm leaving. Yeah, goodbye forever, dude. Um, um, he doesn't treat her very well. And he seems to think that she has cheated on him. But whether she has or not seems to be unclear because she broke up with him. Yes. And so uh, if you remember where we left off um, in the fiction, uh, Ryder is holding up his bicycle in the air and uh and um erica court has just walked in like what i know that's in the real world in the story uh claudio jesse and everyone are going to attack an invisible planet where the narrows live i know it doesn't make sense because there's been a very specific visible number of planets in the fence all linked by a blue triangle but we'll go with it for now i guess i it's really incredible but well you know we'll we'll Work with what we're given here. Yes, so... Hang on one second. Let's have a look uh, at issue five. How do we begin? How do we begin? We open uh, on a scene in a city where there appears to be, like, crowing energy and fire. It's, It's maybe green fire, but there's a rush of people running out of a building... And there is a voice saying, everybody get out, run for the walls, and climb. And we see Claudio, uh, who is fighting some Red Army soldiers, uh, letting bullets face through him. And he's picking up dudes with his powers and throwing them back at his enemies. And just, he's doing a lot here that he hasn't done before. He's he's controlling his powers now. Like, because when he first saw him doing this, he was just a fucking useless baby. And then the fake Ryan showed up, and he was like, "Hey, 
you suck and Claudio's like damn it do be like that and then he fainted <laughs> damn I do um, suck huh I'm just like uh, my dad I'm just like my dad I'm Claudio <laughs> oh Claudio oh um, whereas here uh, he's like uh, actually fighting off the Red Army soldiers and things are going really well and then once again uh, Ryan shows up and yeah he throws like a baby off a cliff like aha you fool <laughs> you've left the baby exposed Yes, there's a kid who hasn't escaped yet, and Ryan picks him up and throws him off a cliff, uh, uh, being like, hey, this child is an orphan because of your fighting, and you know. And now he's going to be dead because you can't save him. And then Claudio does it. He saves the kid. And uh, the taunt was that he would become just like his father and let children die, which is not quite the same thing, but okay. Um, and Claudio's you will like, become no, just listen. like your father and poison your own children in your sleep, in their sleep, because some guy told you to, I guess. <laughs> uh, Never letting it go. No, this Jesus man, <laughs> he just did that. <laughs> he he just tweeted it out. It's, he just tweeted it. Um, yeah. So Claudio goes. Listen, funny you should mention my dad. We've made up recently, mostly on my end. And it turns out that he didn't pass on only his flaws to me. And then he makes a gun arm out of his crowing powers. Yes, he uses his crowing energy to create Claudia, uh, to Coheed's gun arm around himself. And then when it starts fading away. He shoots Ryan in the face. Yeah, he kills Ryan, first of all. And then. Yes. Uh. The panel after we have to talk about because he is doing a finger gun with his hand and yes, the thing yes. is fading away over it. Because essentially he's like used his crowing energy to create a gun over his hand, but the real hand underneath is very clearly shown to be doing finger guns. He's doing finger guns. This is beautiful. I love it. It's and then so he's having a big goofy smile with his finger guns, which hey. is actually maybe the most endearing thing that anyone's ever done in this entire comic. Yeah, <laughs> the whole like, thing. The, the most human moment is a guy smiling, doing fake finger guns, killing the bad guy, like pew. Like it's, they found it. They fucking found something human in these characters. And it's the most throwaway thing. Got him. Um, Ambelina comes through the crowd again, uh, as she has done before and just kind of walks through and goes, Hey, you controlled your powers. You did really well in this training exam. You should be proud. You are underselling this panel. The crowd is cheering in the background, like, hooray, Ryan's dead. And then, like, phasing through that is Ambelina, who is also cheering. <laughs> <laughs> this panel's incredible. That, you know, on second thought, this entire page is really good. <laughs> yeah, I might have to put this whole page in. It's a whole thing. Yeah, you should put the whole page in because dead Ryan who is just a skull man now is really good <laughs> yes because this is obviously another simulation yes uh, it's a, he's in the danger room once again uh and jesse we cut over to him in the i don't know if he's in his quarters i guess like looking at a hologram of somebody and i think it's supposed to be that character who comes up later right it yes, has it is, to be. That is, I can tell it's that guy. Yeah, okay. I, it's hard for me to tell. It's very but. vague because he has a very distinctive feature that will identify him, but they've drawn him in such a way where you can't tell that's who he is because there's a reveal in a few pages. Yes, I, it is amazing that they did it like pages away rather than an issue away. 
But, you know. It might actually be. Is it the end of this issue? It's the end of this issue. Yes, it is the end of this issue. Okay, so we will we'll tell you who this dude is by the end of the episode. Uh, but Jesse just goes, there you are. And they touch down on Hilmgore, the snow planet. And the first thing that you see here is just a lot of bodies encased in ice. Uh, this is clearly is not a friendly a good sign. Yeah. No, this this is like land here. Friendly area. <laughs> Yes. I mean, to be fair, they are going to what he has called the home planet of the Narrows. It's where the Narrows headquarter is. They've got a hidden planet and a secret base, and he's going to go there to get supplies and shit. And I, I mean, did they say, they said what they were getting, right? They, they said, said they, that they we are after that, the uh, orb thing. Special, that, yes. The, uh, the orb of anonymity or whatever the fuck he named it because he's very good at naming things. Um, and, like, they touch down, and we have a few panels here of... Jesse, like, barking orders, we're going to need to divide and conquer. We don't know what we're walking into, but I think if we find a base, Sizer can get us in no matter what. Uh, it's an Acropolis, and there's just going to be a lot of people watching us. So, uh, if it looks hopeless, you know what to do, he says. Uh, and he says that Chase should stay back to help the um, crew make modifications to the ship, uh, while they're gone, and Chase is like, "Hey, no, wait! I'm adult. It's me, the the child girl, but big." <laughs> you want to go? You want to take another stab at that? No, I think that was right. <laughs> I think I got it. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, fine. <laughs> uh, no, she says that she doesn't want to sit around playing mechanic, and uh, even th- it's weird that Sizer is doing this. Going, it's too dangerous out there, Chase. Knowing she has killed a lot of people. She's got special powers. Like, yes, I get that everyone likes her and she looks like a kid, even though she's like mentally the same as everyone else, which fuck off all of that. All of that's still bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, while I'm aware of that, I have the appearance of the charge. You know, I'm not correct. And Jesse's like, damn it, Chase. Why would you re- remind me of your personhood? <laughs> why are you a real that person? That is entirely how that plays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, in one of the greatest drawings of the entire comic... <laughs> Chase. There's oh, everyone ahead. in like an SUV driving to the Narrows hideout uh, as they're heading down the ice planet. Uh, and the drawing of Chase is incredible. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, she just looks like a little goblin. <laughs> she really does. It's, it is hard to describe. That will probably be in the notes. Please look at this panel and just like yes. look from left to right and everything's fairly normal and then chase. <laughs> chase. Yes, no. You will ha- you everyone has to go to the notes. The images are always there. This one is mandatory. This one is mandatory. Uh so we have like this comic is actually filled with a lot of blank panels of action. Uh, yes, no, the entire bit of the, like, um, simulation at the start was a full six pages or something. Like, just yeah. action and action and action. And it's all the fucking danger room sequence, so it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then we love get space. this, like, tank, uh, like, this this personnel transport vehicle, basically, just going through and they drive by, like, more bodies in ice and they're all fucked up. And some dude's just like, oh, this is creepy. And then they drive a little bit further and then somebody gets shot in the fucking head. Uh, it's damn. We we're back to the part where they start using a lot of gore. Uh, because yeah, that head his that dude's head is directly no longer connected to his body. Yeah, it comes clean off, and there's like a shuriken in the ice behind him. It's very strange, but also it's just gross for the sake of being gross. 
Um, <laughs> so we have this whole battle. Like everybody's like, "What's attacking us? I can't see anything." And it's like, "Yeah, dude, you went to a planet where they like knowingly have a thing that turns everything invisible." Uh, I have to say, so so this, this battle starts. Um, and then the next page is there are two panels at the top uh, and the panel on the left is actually pretty cool it's Ambelina and Claudia fighting together uh, and Ambelina's got a coat on so she looks good yes <laughs> I'm also wondering what's going on with her hair is she good? Uh, yeah her hair's flying about in a really weirdly drawn way yeah but like her coat looks cool Claudia looks cool in the background I think this is a good panel directly to the right <laughs> what is this is Jesse cosplaying as the Doom Marine Jesse cosplaying as Mega Man on the original Mega Man cover. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we just, you're, you're going to have to look at all these panels. <laughs> this is an amazing issue for for weirdly drawn shit. Um, this isn't even like weirdly drawn. Like, it just looks like Jesse. It's just, wow, this is ridiculous. Especially considering after, like, it's a very different style of 80s nonsense armor that, compared to what he was wearing in the last comic. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. He's got a whole different thing going on. I guess you could, like, chalk it up to, oh, this is the the snow gear. This is what you wear in the snow. But anyway, two pounds later, uh, Amblina get gets her tits grabbed. Yep, she so gets... Oh, I missed the handprints there before. You mi- you, how did you oh, miss those handprints? Oh, because I didn't... I was not thinking. I was too busy looking at the sexual harassment text bubbles uh, and not looking at the sexual harassment happening on the titty. <laughs> <laughs> yes so there are like Amblin is suddenly weirdly drawn and basically there's handprints on her tits and she is being grabbed by some invisible person saying long time since we had a pair of these around these parts <sighs> it's cause she got it's cause she's, it's cause got, she's big got big titty and the other panel or the other bubble in this panel and here I thought all the prize were dead why don't you let us help you repopulate cool Excellent. It's really, that's not how that works. <laughs> First of all, you need to know how prize reproduction works. Secondly, the, the visual shoots an energy beam. <laughs> so when a visual loves a prize, <laughs> when a visual who looks like a twelve-year-old or an eight-year-old, I guess, loves a prize, she shoots an energy beam at her, and then the prize repopulates into like seventy-four new prize. It's um, it's beautiful, truly. Um, Claudio gets to save her because she has, uh, been attacked and has no autonomy in this moment. Um, Claudio starts shooting and is like, leave her alone. I'm in love with her now after some very poorly executed character development. Uh, don't touch my wife's boobs. (laughs) Get off my wife, dude. Uh, and, and then, and then Siza joins in. Yeah, so he's going to start smashing stuff now because that's what Sizer does. Um, And his design looks better, I think, this time than last time. He looks less gross. He just looks like an extreme Digimon. Oh my god, yes. You're right. (laughs) Yes. Like, what if Digimon was fucking R-rated? What if Digimon... Yeah. I didn't notice that he had the nose rings. Also, his line is, too bad, we're going to have to say goodbye so soon, you narrow prick. God damn, Which, got him. Got him. I don't think calling someone a narrow prick is a good... Hmm, I don't... Hmm. <laughs> like, I know that they are the narrows. They're called the narrows. But, I just, but uh, that's just a bad line. Anyway, that's next page. That's what you went to? All right. 
so this battle's happening, and then we cut to Erica and Ryder awkwardly t- like at a chair. They're sitting on his couch, just kind of like looking away from each other. Like, hmm, you sure were about to body slam a bike when I came in here. Well, no, he's like, man, maybe I have a chance. <laughs> this is it. This is my moment. He's, li- he's like all nervous, like, oh. I should talk to my... It's time to win my wife back to me. And she's just like, man, what the fuck is going on with you, dude? <laughs> What's going on in here? And then his yeah. opening line, I've, I've missed you, Erica. It's nice... Nice to see your face. Dude! Which, to be fair, is an insanely accurate representation of, like, pathetic men. <laughs> That's... You know what? Got me there. Nailed That's it. very Fucking true. Crushed nailed it. it. Perfect. Because, uh, yeah, because Erica's like, I don't know what's been going on. You haven't showed up to your treatment. I'm really worried about you. Like, I, she has come here because she is worried for him. Yeah. And, and she's like, so, like, clearly she's his emergency contact or whatever. The doctor called her and said, like, hey, he hasn't been showing up for treatment. Is everything okay? And then she's like, as a good person goes, you know what? I'm going to go check on him then. Uh, and he's like, I don't want to talk about my doctor. Can we talk about something else? And she's like, Wait, no, seriously, I'm very worried about you. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I gotta finish my story. And she's like, you have to, we need to talk about your doctor. We need, like, you need to get help. You need to, we need to help you. I want to help you. And all she does is just, like, try to help him. She doesn't do anything mean. She has not been mean to him once. She's been extremely reasonable, considering, uh, like, he threw up on her or his lawn and tried to propose to her and said the wrong name in bed for his fictional character. Like, all she did was broke up with him and then try also tried to make sure he was still, like, okay. And he's so mad at her. I just, like, we're supposed to believe that she has done something wrong to him. And, you know, maybe she has, but the narrative does not establish it well enough for you to trust that she's done anything bad. Especially when she's, like, still coming back and going, like, hey, like, okay, if you don't want to see this doctor anymore, we can find you a different one. Like, would that... Would that work? And he's like, no. I gotta finish my story. Blah. And, yeah. So so then so there's a bit of dialogue which we'll just go through because then uh, Erica basically says, right, if you chase away everyone that loves you in the process, uh, uh, what do you have to show for it? You need to think about that. Think about what the story has gotten you. You're broke sick. I love you, but I can't sit around and watch your leisurely suicide. And then fucking Ryder, after she's like, hey, it's just a story. I need you to, like, realize that and be okay. Uh, and then Ryder says... It's the opposite, actually. This is purely survival. These characters need me, Erica. I've spent years with them, developing their thoughts, giving them life. And then, and then Erica's like, well, I've dedicated a big part of my life to you too, right? Are you seriously going to let words on a page become more important to you than reality than me? And then, He's, and then... And then he says, those words on a page didn't leave me for some piece of shit with a stupid fucking haircut. So, important, very important line there, because that does imply she didn't cheat. She just she left. She left him. Yes, you didn't leave me for some piece of shit with a stupid haircut. Hey, buddy... Not a good look you got on right now. And she's still coming to, like, check up on you. She doesn't hate you. She wants you to, like, be alive. Yeah, it's... <sighs> she's, like, the one good person in this whole... Like, this one truly good person just doing her best to help somebody who, like, at this point, she really shouldn't be trying to. I mean, like, it's sad, but... It's just... She's probably so, all he has, right? Yeah. 
And considering the levels of like recursion going on here, uh, this paints a really bad picture for what Claudia was like actually like writing this album. Yeah, <laughs> man. Because um, yes, all Rough of this stuff. is like being written by Chandra, who is uh, who Erica is based on in the actual fiction of the fuck. Yep. <laughs> yep. <sighs> oh, God. just just anyway. layers. This scene goes on, and like he keeps saying, "Like no, I won't." And she's like, "Who the fuck are you talking to?" Uh, and it turns out that uh, Claudio has been talking with Ten Speed, who is like saying, "You know, Ten Speed's like you have to kill her first or something." Yeah, uh, she says that like you can't control every aspect of life like some puppeteer, and if you don't accept that, writer, the inability of that is going to be part. Or, no, uh, it's like the part of the world is going to kill you and then 10 speed not if it kills you first and it's like he screams why are you here go to hell uh, at the bike next to her and oh, she's and like the bike says silly rider we're already there he's in hell <laughs> <laughs> and like oh, eric is like writer are you are you talking to me or what's going on and then she looks around at the like actual bike behind her. Like, <laughs> she looks at the what bike. The like, what the fuck is, is going on here? Why is the bike inside? Don't you keep this in the shed? So yeah, so she's trying to help, and the bike's here. Like, you can't listen to her reasonable things. You have to murder the wife. It's the only way. You know, he's mentally ill. This sucks. I don't like any of this going on right now. It's bad. It's, it's bad. Just bad. It's just bad. It just sucks, man. It just drains the life out of you. Um, but we get to cut back to the fiction now, where yes. Ambulina has been disarmed. It looks like Sizer has had like some tasers thrown at him or something. Um, like Claudio is trying to fend some dudes off, but then gets shackled. Um, and everyone, like Jesse, yells "Stop!" And then the Narrows yell back, "Put down your weapons. We'll think about it." And then Jesse immediately puts down his gun and goes, all right, do what he says. We're outnumbered. Um, and sure enough, like a bunch of people, you know, take the cloak off. And Claudio's like, I'm not putting down shit. And then he starts using his powers. And then somebody just bashes him in the back of the head and everybody starts <laughs> kicking him. <laughs> he just fucking gets bashed on the back of the head and all the narrows start kicking him. And the guy who bashed him on the back of the head is be like, stop that. Enough. Stop <laughs> kicking him. Uh, so... Yes. This man. Who who shows up? So this so let's just set the scene now. Like the, the fight is over. Everyone has like been fighting and like suddenly a truce has been established as a ceasefire has happened. Uh and this mysterious figure has emerged who is the leader of the narrows and how how do they arrive? Uh on a steel horse. On a steel horse. He pulls horse. up. Uh, shows up. This man says, You gotta excuse my men. They're unaware we're in the presence of an old friend. Um He's got a skull face. Okay, he's got a skull face and, and a big cowboy hat and a big gun. And a big and shotgun a with the scope on it. I don't know what he's doing with that, but he's got it. And he's got a mecha horse. This horse yes. is a mech. The horse is... Hmm. It's... Yes, is... No, because it's is got it a some, cyborg horse, you think? That is a cyborg horse. It has got two artificial legs. Yeah. So it's parts of its face are artificial, but it is otherwise a horse. Yeah, it's got some, like pipes coming out of its neck but i think it's a real horse with mods got those horse mods yeah, well like all the people the narrows here have got like super like mods in them yeah uh when the narrows in the in the comic before were um just like weird fucked up mutant looking people yeah um 
Like it was very 80s inspired of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but here they are like mechanically enhanced kind of, but also it's weird. Uh, but he shows up and says, listen, this is, this is my pal, Jesse, you know? Uh, yes. and that's so how this Jesse book ends. History. Yes. There is a history here. And to be continued, they skull horse. They drop this dude in like you're supposed to know him. No, you're not. And you're not. And I think I was. I think he might be in the In Keeping Secrets comic. I think he might be in that exact one panel that they show of the Narrows coming in on Goddardam. Uh, in there. I might, I don't I might try to find gonna, that later for we're you. We're going to have to check that. I yeah. don't have that that file on me anymore. Yeah, I'll check um, and see if I still have it. Oh, no, I do have the file on me. There it is. Okay. So I'm going to take a brief second here and edit this uh, down to quickly skip me finding the panel. Where am I going to find the panel? Boop, boop, boop. Yes, he's there. He is there on his horse. How did he get his mega horse there? They just right. showed up. Yeah, so he's right there. He's there on the horse. There's a big panel. He is there as a guy with a skull face looking thing and a cowboy hat at the back of the Narrows gang. Yep. Uh, so, and the, the Narrows themselves all look completely different. Like, this is way more like um, sewn up faces and weird mutant looking 80s designs. Uh, whereas they all have like robot arms and shit in the next comic. And there's some robot arms here, but just the aesthetic is so like completely changed uh the horse it doesn't seem to be a mech in this version yeah it, it, it's i think it's just the aesthetic change they're like what if we just so, made the horse a mech too fuck it i've got to assume that this guy wasn't the character and that they were just like we need to have the leader of the narrows we have a drawing of oh be the guy on the horse of course i, I think it'd be really weird if he was a character in this one because he only shows up in the one panel yeah, I think that's just a design that they were like picked. We're like, we gotta have the guy on the horseback. Yeah, we gotta have the gunslinger one back because the rest of these guys are just like one of them is just a dude in a dress. I think like <laughs> yeah. that's just happening. All right. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to point that that guy was there for whatever reason. He was here. Well, there we go. Uh, but no, he is the leader of the Narrows, and that is that is where we leave off. The heroes are on the planet with the bad guys, but not the actual bad guys. They're just some other bad guys, because it's only issue five. <laughs> <laughs> That's we've it. A, uh, yeah, Look out. We've got, we got some more to get through. Yep. But there we go. <sighs> what a what a what a comic that was that's like a pretty short comic uh mostly because there's a lot of panels with no text and it's just all yeah. action yeah and it's a bit this is one of the most, this is one of the more boring issues of this comic um there's not like ridiculous writer stuff to reveal there's not like hilarious jesse stuff to talk about it just kind of some stuff happens there's a few hilarious drawings um i will say that the Narrows leader guy showing up on a mech horse with a skull face did get me to immediately buy the next issue and go, okay, who's this asshole? <laughs> I Who is gotta know about face? this douchebag. Uh, so you were like, man, this guy has a skull face. So I obviously immediately sent you a picture uh, of skull face. Of skull the villain from yeah, Metal from, from Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid uh, and you were like, holy shit. <laughs> Because he's also got a stupid hat. He's got a and, like, stupid a hat and a skull aesthetic. face. 
He's got like a mask and shit. This guy doesn't have a mask, but the similar aesthetics are being traded in. Do you think like Claudio played Metal Gear Solid and he was like, yeah, I need this guy. This guy's got to be in my comic. Oh God, I don't know. I think that he probably would. I mean, no, because like the first guy that <laughs> in Kimmy Secrets came out before Skull, anyone knew about Skullface. He has a recent edition. Oh no, I know. I'm saying before he wrote these comics. Well, he didn't write these. Well, but before yes. he had them illustrated, Jackson. <laughs> I refuse to play along with the bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Let's just fucking talk about Apollo <laughs> One, I guess. All right, yeah. Fuck you. Eat shit. <laughs> This song is called Apollo 1, The Writing Writer. No, 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 no. Apollo 1, colon, The Writing Writer. Sorry, I, I probably should have emphasized the, the, the use of the colon there. You should it wasn't have thrown Apollo the colon. 1, The Writing Writer. He didn't win anything. No. <laughs> He's a dog. He's a dog. Why is this called Apollo? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Apollo's not here. No, he was in the last issue. He's not here. <sighs> I, I, there is no reason for this to be called Good Apollo other than like he says Good Apollo in Burning Stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. He to says. the dog. Yeah. He's, he, but not in. But not really in this. It's not. You know. Oh my god! You know that. Claudio like thought of that line. He's like, I gotta put that in. That's gotta be the last line of this comic. I like that one. And then he's like, I gotta name the next album after it because it was so good. Um. Yeah, it's it sure is a line. And uh, he doesn't he also doesn't burn Star Four in this, assuming he will do in volume two. Yeah, uh, what the hell? Cause he is definitely not burning Star Four now, because this is part one of two. This is part four, part one, if you get what what's the song? The song is called Apollo One. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, The song pops This song fucking owns. It's so good. I have been listening to this album again, and I am wondering if I have been wrong the whole time, and that this is the better album. Because, man, it's got some real bangers on it. It's got some bangers on it. This is a great song. This is a really good song. For reasons unknown, it has a full minute of ambient noise at the start, which I would critique as a room for improvement. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. Don't do the weird... I... You know he sold it as, like, this is uh, part of the story. You gotta know what's going on right here, right now. And then he just never filled it in. He's just like, yeah, I don't it's know. It's a climactic. I mean, it makes the songs feel climactic in the way you put a little bit of noise before it sets the, the tone and everything. Like, it's very of the era. Like, oh, we really like that one Mars Volta album thing to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm never a fan, really. Um, I mean, and, there uh, are some times where, like, at the end of songs, they'll play that specific jingle or whatever it is that they they have that piano uh, thing that they put at the end of the song so they've said like denotes t- 
time passing or whatever. Yeah, you know, and that. it's not. This is, they this just is didn't just do like that some, here. This is just noise this is just they put in. Ambient noise, like to set tone, which you don't really need because it's all the same rock. It's just, it's just the rock albums. It's a rock album, guys. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, but it yeah, fucking I really goes. like the song a lot. Uh, this the it has a fantastic chorus, um, where he actually says, "I'm burning stuff or Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess that's why it's called Apollo One because he said that to Apollo. It was like, listen, here's my, here's what I'm gonna do today. <laughs> <laughs> to do uh, list. Reminder: To do burn star four. <laughs> Apollo, please remember this. Hey, Apollo, remember this one for me. <laughs> Remind me later. Yes. Remind me to burn star four, if you would, please. Please, thank you. Um, so, um. Do you want to go through the lyrics a little bit? Because there are some lyrics in this. Yeah, do we? We're gonna talk a bit about this song because it's we have to. We have to. It's so, kind of a thing. So here's a little bit of the lyrics. Um, we're gonna. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. How are we gonna do this? So this is verse two in the chorus. So the verse two is: In my presence, you might wake. Through this fiction, I must fake your death to grace the face of my character. With these lessons, he might learn that all worlds from here must burn. For as God demands, in the end, we miss. So uh, I'm gonna fucking kill the fake you, so that my character can learn that the world needs to end. Because I, I say so. Because because I'm God. Yeah, I. Mm. He's upset. I think he's a little hurt when he wrote this a bit, one. A little bit bad. Not 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 feeling good about where things are right now. Yeah. Um. Do you want to like read the chorus? Because I feel like we can get a lot out of that one. So the chorus which happens about multiple times is uh, he's like, if my shame spills our worth across this floor, then tonight, good night, I'm burning star four. Only I don't even think of you. No, I don't want to think of you anymore. Good night, tonight, goodbye. Um, which I'll get back to that in a minute because I think it's interesting. Yeah. But then uh, right at the, in the final repeat of the chorus, right at the end of the song, there's a little spoken word bit, which um, we'll talk about in a sec. But then the bridge is, uh, I don't want to go, so come on, bitch, why aren't you laughing now? You left me here to fend on my own, so cry on, bitch, why aren't you laughing now? Well, oh, 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 oh if my shame spills our worth across this floor. Um, this is the closest Code and Cambria ever gets to self-awareness about yes, what it is. This is, like, he has almost figured out how, how he's feeling. Well, no, because it's like, it is so explicit about that this is this is not this isn't like the fucking um Al killer stuff where ah, he's a killer he kills women ah, right. it's so bad like it's a guy being like I'm gonna end the world because you left me bitch yeah and like it, which is like that's a nasty thing that people think that is a an actual real 
feeling that people have and it's not like the lyrics say it's a good thing uh, like you're meant to empathize with it way too much but it's like so close to realizing that oh wait all of this destruction and this like prophecy about the end of the world is actually some dumb insecurity in order to uh like process someone leaving me like i'm so fucking mad about you know my ex that i have to find a world to end and that like this song almost makes that textual like the stuff we've been saying about how this this album specifically feels not like a like it just feels like a very a mission statement for the band like a statement of intent um and i cannot tell with this song like this is the closest it gets to you know them knowing what they're doing to them like being aware of how bad this is i i kind of feel like he's too angry for it to be that though well no i don't think they succeed because i think everything around this song demonstrates that you are actually meant to have like so there is a quote um uh are you gonna talk about is it the documentary quote no, it okay. is a quote um, on Genius.com, which is a quote from, apparently, the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, a quote about the album. Uh, and it's a quote from Claudio, and he says, um, If you take them for what they are, they are, they're all love songs. They're all about heart- heartbreak. I think about the way that I write, and even to this day, they're always wrote in emotion. I feel like Good Apollo is a sort of work- record that wears its heart upon its sleeve. Sure, it lives within the world of the Amory scores and the big concept behind it, but it's all rooted in heartbreak and how that can spiral into the worst things one can see themselves as. That's what Good Apollo was for me. Good Apollo was me as a monster because I had lost a significant other at the time that I held so dear. I think that is definitely there. It's pretty clear in the lyrics, certainly in songs like Welcome Home, and being angry and just letting it all hang out i think that's what people sort of related to so like that quote is him like recognizing that essentially that this album is you know a very conscious portrait of the like petty pathetic anger of masculinity made into a fantasy that like can make it feel bigger than it is yeah yeah and like i don't think that's a good thing i'm not saying this makes it that oh this album's secretly good because it's a critique it's not a critique of that it just is that well no i think that's really fascinating but yeah that that quote is like definitely so far past Mm -hmm. when when that was recorded right so like you know but also i don't want to like take claudio's word as you know these albums are so uh about things that it doesn't realize it's dealing with yes and we'll try to be saying oh this is about anger and stuff and like no it's actually about you like hating women (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not right yes i like he says that's what it's about you know that's probably true for the most part but man boy he was angry he was just the angriest boy uh like themes like oh i'm such a monster because of my you know that theme is prevalent within every single cody album right through to the modern day like all of that theme never goes away yeah there's a song called iron fist in about that we'll have to talk about at some point we sure do yeah it's called iron fist yeah um there is a lot of like, oh, I'm a monster, but the woman next to me soothes me, and that's the only understanding I have. And without her, I am meaningless and like, you know, just a ball of anger. And like, I recognize that as bad, but I still center that emotion as like valid and worthy of, you know, our entire fictional universe to process it. It's a weird, like, it's almost worse that it recognizes that it is a bad thing, but not enough to like change that. Right. So it just it's just then has enough to, to know. It just like voluntarily participates in that. 
It's it voluntarily participates in it and also attempts to like it's like okay this is bad and this is a bad feeling to have that I shouldn't be having but instead of like not having it I'm literally going to create a world in which it is incredibly valid for me to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it it's a weird just loop of stuff when literally all the you know the the album is just that feel when no gf like it's very relatable <laughs> like you know i mean that that's essentially the feeling that has written and underscored an entire genre of music for the half a century like yes. you know um white people stole blues from black people and were like well we don't have any kind of legacy of like you know slavery to draw on about actual like sadness we face so that feel when no gf that feel um, when no gf that's how you get rock music yep that <laughs> God damn, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. Um This song's good. <laughs> <laughs> Again, once more, the problematic banger. It's uh yeah. it's a really good song. So there's that spoken word bit in the middle that we wanted to quickly go over. There's there's a bit where he says some words, um, and you were like, oh, what the fuck does he say? But I've got them written in front of me. Yes, thank you. Good, because I spent too much time like on my lunch breaks at work going like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, I can make uh, out so a few what, words, but go ahead. So what he is saying is... <laughs> <laughs> it is... It, I, I, I'm curious about what he says, and I haven't looked it up, but he, it feels so intentionally hidden... That, I I don't know, go ahead, just do it. There is no room for mistakes, my children, for as I have been told, today is the day I die. I'm sorry I never played the part as your father as I should have, and from the looks on your faces, it seems that all you've ever asked of me. It is time for you to go into these worlds alone, with all of my love. I love you, I love you all so very much. What the fuck, who let Jesse on this album? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not Jesse, but yes. (laughs) I believe that is the writing writer. Yeah, I I feel like you could say it's either, honestly. And well, we'll get back to this. Yeah, we should we should come back to that cuz yeah. That will be tabled for future stuff. Yeah. But just keep that monologue in mind as we go through like where this album gets to. Yeah. We know a bit more about that and um, you know, obviously we've listened to the album before. Uh so yeah. just just think think about that a bit. Maybe think about that. It's Mhm. Yep. I Anyway, great song. Fucking fucking pop. <laughs> Extremely problematic banger. Yeah, um, uh, I give it a nine. <laughs> well, yes, I, I I also give it a nine. It's a great song. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's similar to uh, Back and If Forever. It's not as good as Back and If Forever, but oh, really, really? Uh, specifically, so let me finish the sentence. It is similar to Back and If Forever in that it almost is just a song about feeling sad. But it's too wrapped up in its bullshit. It, this is way more wrapped up in its bullshit because it's fucking. Uh, this is a writer talking about you know oh. making a fake world and stuff. Uh, but at least he's like admitting the emotions he feels and is like, I don't want to think of you anymore. Go away. Leave me alone. I've you've broken up with me. That feel with no GF. Like this. <laughs> like very honestly, this is what I am feeling about this song. Um, and back in the forever was like also that like I have no luck with girls like that yeah. was just him doing the same thing. Just uh, man, he was he was a sad sack in in keeping secrets, and now he's an angry boy uh, in Good Apollo. But it's the I same mean, feeling once again. 
like the thing with Coheed and Cambria, which is also the thing with basically this entire genre of music, is just desperately wanting some actual genuine vulnerability from the songwriters who are clearly feeling things and writing songs to process the emotions but they've either layered you know with most bands it's layered like six degrees of like irony in their lyrics on top of it with this band it's layered an entire sci-fi universe on top of it <laughs> like, i really don't exactly even want to look same. at this thing <laughs> i really really don't want to even look at this thing that one's called appity prime it's where i keep my sadness <laughs> keep my sadness in appity prime it's where i be yeah it's where it is uh each so each yeah. planet and emotion yep it's <laughs> yeah no most emo bands are like oh we've got fucking weird literary illusions and i'm just gonna be all ironic and obviously detached about my feelings whereas he's like I'm on the third star from the second core of the galaxy <laughs> of God's laws. And I'm like, okay. Okay. There, there, buddy. And he's like, oh, by the way, somebody else was writing this. Just a heads You're up. Ju- <laughs> he was processing his emotions. It wasn't me. Fucking um, made up planets are to Claudio Sanchez as 16 year old Asian girls are to River. <laughs> that is the Armory score you have been listening to. Us, good night. We'll see you out there. Outros for all the podcasts. Oh, God. <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet, Molly? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at your friend Molly with a Y E R. You can find me at audioentropy.com where I do a bunch of other podcasts and at patreon.com slash Molly Rhineback. You can find me at Headfuls Off on Twitter. You can find the podcast I do at abnormalmapping.com. Abnormalmapping.com is a podcast network that you can support on patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. Uh, it is a great. Not great. We do good stuff. We have Abnormal Mapping, which is the titular show. It is a game club. We play video games. The best game dot club. Second Officer Slog is a Star Trek book club. We also watch episodes. It is at Star Trek Podcast dot space. Uh, novel Not New is a visual novel game club with Jen. Uh, nah, I'm getting all of my podcast picks up. Ryan's on Fireside Friends. This is Gen Six and M. Yeah, that is novel, not new. You can you can listen to that. It's a very good show. Fireside Friends also a really really good show. That is Ryan Allen and Katie at FiresideFriends.net. If you pledge one dollar or more to our Patreon, you can listen to the Great Gundam Project. People are liking it a lot. We are only eighty dollars away at the moment of speaking. It could go up and down. You know, you never know. Uh, from that being made public for everyone, so maybe one day in the future we'll be able to share the Gundam with all. But for now, that is a one dollar a month podcast, uh, and you can come to the Discord as well. That is a Discord. Yeah, slash there's some Discord. letters <laughs> at me if you need the Discord. <laughs> you want a Discord at me? Search abnormal mapping Discord. Uh, on Twitter, They'll, you'll be able to find it. It is a public Discord. It is open to everyone. Right, that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night. Enjoy the song. Good night. I'm burning this podcast.
Yeah.